You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. I'm preaching tonight a simple message, Why Do We Give to Missions? And uh, I want to say thank you to this church. I know that there are many pastors uh, that would truly... Uh, lose sleep over preaching a message like this because it's something new that is being introduced, this matter of giving above and beyond tithe, uh, this matter of having faith to give more than your 10%. Uh, but I appreciate the heart for missions that you have. And you had that long before I came here. Uh, and uh, I truly appreciate it. And uh, I believe God's hand of blessing has been on this church because of your heart for missions. Uh, maybe you've never considered giving to missions. Maybe you've never considered giving above and beyond tithe. Uh, so this could be a learning, a learning message for you. But uh, I believe for many of us, this is going to be a reminder uh, and an encouragement to you all. Uh, so we read there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 15, and uh, in both 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul is kind of taking on one thing at a time. And he mentions kind of what he's talking about in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. He mentions it for the first time in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And there's this collection that is being taken from the Gentile churches. Uh, one of those being the Corinthian church. Uh, several of those being from the churches in Macedonia, such as Philippi, which you can read about in their, in their uh, epistle. Uh, Thessalonica. Uh, Berea, those, those different churches. And as Paul is coming through and he's sending Timothy and these other men in front of him, they're collecting these offerings that have been taken up. And, and it's for the, uh, the poor saints in Jerusalem. Uh, but also as you read through, you can see uh, that a lot of these churches are starting to give above and beyond and giving these, these free will financial offerings for Paul's work of missions as well. Uh, so my question is, why, why do we support missionaries? Brother Brown, your, your son is a missionary. Why do we support missionaries? Why do we have a bus ministry? And, and Brother Brown, not a lot of churches have bus ministries because it is a very expensive ministry. Uh, when you look at it financially, it's not a moneymaker. It never will be. Uh, and yet when those buses are sitting out there and have been sitting out there for four months now, I'm not thinking we're saving on diesel. I'm not thinking we're, I'm thinking the, the kids, the kids, how are they going to get the gospel taken to them? Um, so why do we have a bus ministry? Why will we always have a bus ministry here at Heritage Baptist Church? Why do we schedule missions conferences? Why do we seek to find more missionaries? Why don't we just find our 30 and that's it? And no, why do we always seek for more? Why do some, like your son, leave the comforts of home, and go to a foreign field. It's got to be frustrating to learn Korean. Um, my dad, when he got super mad at me, he would yell at me in Korean, and I was just, I'm glad I didn't know the language. So I can't imagine actually, you know, leaving and, and going and doing that. Why do we give above and beyond? Why do we do that? Why do we go door to door on Saturdays? And I hope we don't just soul win on Saturdays. I hope we're constantly going out and having that soul conscious mind. Asking those questions is kind of like asking a husband, why do you buy flowers for your wife? It's not because the husband is just looking forward to 
buying flowers. I mean, no man has ever woken up that didn't have a wife and thought, I'm going to buy flowers today just to liven up the living room. No. So why do, we, why do we do that? Why do we bring her home her favorite candy? And every husband right now is thinking, you have your wife's favorite candy. Uh, Miss Tracy's is uh, the hot tamales, the cinnamon things. Those are disgusting. <laughs> I want some chewy antacids, please. Yes, okay, of course, of course we'll do that for you. Oh, speaking of that, I got a text from my wife earlier. Ladies, I need to remind you that for the ladies' conference, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. I forgot about that, but I know my wife is listening in the nursery, and she was going to yell at me after, so there is a sign-up sheet in the back. It's my fault. I completely forgot it. Um, why, gentlemen, why do you hug her and kiss her and call her all the, you know, the sweetie and, and cutie pie, you know, and all those things? Why, why do we do that? Why do we complete all those DIY projects? Every husband right now has a list. It's a honeydew list, not a hunting to-do list, a honeydew list. And there's constantly something to do. So why do we do that? Well, then that's kind of like asking a parent, why do we play dress-up with the children? Why do we play make-believe with them, if that's what you call it? Why do you watch the little kid shows? Right now, we're watching a show for Haddon that's just all these nursery rhymes, and they're horrible. Why do we do that? Uh, why do we buy them toys that we know they're just going to break the next day? Well, it's because when you truly love somebody, you want to know what they care about. And when you find out what they care about, you want to care about those things. When you find out what makes them happy, you want to be a part of that happiness. So going all the way back to the beginning, why do we support missionaries? Why do we give to missions? Well, I don't believe there's one person here tonight that doesn't have a deep love for the Lord. You're here on a Wednesday night. Many of you came straight from work. You're here. You love the Lord. Along with that love for God is going to come the desire to please God, doesn't it? You have that desire to please the Lord. And when you love God and you love his word, and you know how it is, the more and more you get to know him, the more and more you love him, and the more and more you want to know him, and then the more and more you love him. And when you love the Lord, you can't help but care about the things that God cares about. You want to know what pleases God. You want to know what, what makes God smile. What is near to God's heart? And can you think of anything when you read verses like, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. When you read verses like that, when you read verses like, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I can't imagine anything closer to the heart of God than missions than reaching the world, than going forward with the gospel, than just letting your light shine. You know, when John the Baptist, have you ever had a time where your faith faltered? Yes, right? You remember when John the Baptist, his faith faltered a little bit, and he's in prison, and he, he sends some of his disciples, and, and he goes to Jesus, and he says, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? One of the things that Jesus said, tell, tell John that this is happening. Now, it was not only in, uh, because Jesus was basically saying, I'm fulfilling prophecy, but one of those things that Jesus was fulfilling in his ministry, he says, the poor have the gospel preached unto them. 
He says, when you tell John that the blind are receiving their sight, that the lame are walking, and that the poor have the gospel preached unto them, John will know the answer to that question, that I am he that should come. So when you see these verses, I mean, think of the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples. What is the last thing that he said? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that commandment, that last commandment, what many people call the Great Commission, what, and you know that, that term that we have, that endearing term for it, really it's, it's, it was Jesus' last commandment to occupy until he comes. He said, to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That was not only given to those disciples, it was given to everybody. He goes on and he says, teaching them, so teach the people, that you have preached to, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And what did Jesus just command them? To go ye into all the world and preach. And so now that we have heard, and now that we have been taught to observe those same things, go and preach the gospel to every creature, the last thing that Jesus said was go ye into all the world. Have a mission. Go forward with the gospel. Missions is so near to the heart of God, I don't believe you. I don't believe you can separate them. I think God's heart is missions, and I think missions is God's heart. Now, there are different ways that you can give to missions. And you might be wondering that. What am I talking about? Well, uh, we should give of our time to missions. We should give of our time to missions. Every single Christian should be a soul winner. Every single Christian has a part in missions. Um, God uses, you have to think about this, God uses people. God uses people in soul winning. Even though the heavens declare the glory of God and the rocks can cry out, he uses us. He counts on us. He should be able to count on us. Um, but you have to give your time to it. I was thinking the other day when, when the air conditioning company came over and I was in my office and trying to study things out and get everything ready for the weekend and a young man comes in and he says, and he the door and he just said, Pastor, do you have a moment? I thought it was one of my people. Uh, but I didn't recognize him. I just recognized him of, of being one of the air conditioning uh, repairmen. And his name was Charlie. And it, it took an hour, but he got saved. He got saved. He, he, he trusted in Jesus as a savior. But it takes time for God to use you and I, to use you during an invitation time, to use you to speak to that waitress that you could tell has a heavy heart. Uh, to, to speak to that person behind the checkout counter. And you understand all that. Think of, think of how Jesus gave his time for souls. How do we know that Jesus was the Savior? How do we know that Jesus truly cared about souls? Because Nicodemus came in the middle of the night and Jesus didn't say, go away. He said, come on in. He came, he came to Jesus by night. Some of you men, if we wake you up in the middle of the night, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But Jesus saw an opportunity. The Bible says he sat thus on the well. He was exhausted when that woman from Samaria came, but he took time. He took time to witness to her. And we must take time as well to go door to door, to grab some tracks and pass them out to people, to pray. Some of you, because of your health, because of your location, no matter, no matter where it may be, what it may be, you may never be able to go door to door but you can pray, and that's how you can give your time. You can give your talents to missions. Every talent that God has given us was not to keep for ourselves. It was not only to use for ourselves. It was for the benefit of, of others, and I challenge us to think of what greater benefit can we bring to somebody than sharing the gospel with them. 
If you got a million dollars to give to somebody, I think the Lord would rather you give them the gospel. That, that man, that lame man at the beautiful gate that had been there, I think, since, child, since, he, since he was born. And he looked at Peter and John thinking that they would give him something. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And that man rose up and walked because he had faith. The Lord shared, or Peter shared the gospel with him. But what I'm really focusing on tonight is we should give our treasures to missions. And I will unashamedly say this. When a Christian doesn't give financially to missions, that shows that they're not, their heart is not where God's heart is. Now, I understand that some people say if you want to find a quiet auditorium, it's either empty or the pastor is preaching on giving. And again, I appreciate that this church is a giving church. If this is just a reminder to us, I hope that it would be a reminder. If this is just an encouragement to you that this money that I'm giving to missions, is it going somewhere? Is it doing something? Does the Lord see it? I assure you, sir, I assure you, ma'am, yes, he does. Yes, he does. And he is using it. The Bible says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, tithing is a commandment. Malachi says that refusing to tithe is robbing God. But giving above and beyond, that's a different matter. That's a different matter. Now, in this passage of scripture right here, Again, what Paul is talking about is a collection for the saints. He's encouraging this church at Corinth, along with the churches in Macedonia, to give above and beyond for a specific collection for the saints. Uh, but it's not specifically for his ministry in missions, for instance, like what uh, the church of Philippi gave so that he can uh, keep on with his necessities, so that he could keep writing even in prison and go forward with his ministry. But I would be willing to say from other passages in Scripture, and of course just knowing God's heart, if the Lord is going to show us blessings from giving above and beyond to help the saints... Surely there are blessings for giving above and beyond to help the lost. We can see those blessings as well. So giving above and beyond the tithe is not a matter of commandment. And, and Paul even says that in 2 Corinthians chapter, I should put on my glasses, 8, verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. And then look also in verse number 7 of chapter 9. It's, it's a matter of choice. It's a matter of your choice. Look in verse 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So we do not give above and beyond grudgingly. Fine. Pastor told me, so I'll do it. No, 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 no. That's not what God wants. It's not what the Lord wants. That's not what I'm trying to bring out today. <laughs> I've heard... Oh, who said it? I think it, was, I think it was Curtis Hudson or Tom Malone. And he said, God loves a cheerful giver, but I love any kind of giver. But <laughs> look, the Lord loves a cheerful giver, not a grudging giver. We don't give out of necessity. God wants us to give cheerfully. God hopes that we would want to give above and beyond to see the gospel go forward. He hopes that we would want to show that love to other Christians or in, or in giving to missions. So what would make us want to give above and beyond our commanded 10%? What would make us want to give that? 
Well, in verse 8, I see a promise. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. See, we as people, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run out of time. There's no way. This is going to have to be like a four-part message. Um, we always want to abound, don't we? What does the world tell us to do with our money? You need to store it up. You need to save it, save it, save it, save it. Build bigger barns. But then God says, thou fool, you're, you're gonna be, it's going to be required at your hand tonight. So why does the Lord give us so that we can give more? We don't build bigger barns. We empty the barns out and then God fills them up again. See, but it, it, makes, it doesn't make sense to our brains to live on sufficiency instead of abundance. Think of bacon, okay? Would you want a sufficient amount of bacon or an abundance of bacon? Ethan? Abundance, right? Absolutely, okay? So sufficiency is what we want to live by. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, abundance is what we want to live by. Sufficiency is what God says you should be just fine with. And by the way, my grace along with sufficiency makes you abound. Absolutely. Okay? So I see a promise in verse 8. I see a principle in verse 6. Here's a principle. This I say, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. It works that way with watermelons. It works that way with, with giving to missions and giving above and beyond to see God's gospel go forward and to spread his light throughout the world. So there's a promise. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. And then there's a principle. The more you give, the more God gives back. Now, we'll, we'll come back to that because some people twist that and you get all this prosperity gospel stuff that, of course, we don't believe in. But really what I'm going to focus on tonight is the perks. So why would we give above and beyond? There's, we could call it benefits, but it's a word that starts with P. So the, there's a promise, God will take care of you. There's a principle, sow sparingly, reap sparingly, sow bountifully, reap bountifully. Perks, verse 12 through 15 is where I see those. Here's the first one. It brings great help to others in need. It brings great help to others in need. Look at in the first part of verse 12. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints. It supplies the want of the saints. Now, I'm not going to spend much time at this point. I think we understand how great the need is on the mission field. And that's not just the foreign field. That's anybody. That's anybody who is going to try to start a ministry and go forward with the gospel. So, uh, of course, I'm talking about the spiritual need talking about the spiritual need on these foreign fields or, or these mission fields, whatever, I want to get a sign. Brother Rusty, can we write this down? I want to get a sign put up on that front door as we're walking out. You are now entering the mission field. The mission field is everywhere. There's always a spiritual need, but I'm also talking about a financial need, and it's very unfortunate. But many times, if the financial need isn't met for a missionary, they can't fulfill the spiritual need. I don't like how, how much money moves things in this world. Uh, now, there's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with having money. Uh, there's something wrong when money has you. Somebody put it as money is a horrible master, but it's an incredible servant. So money is something that, yes, makes the world grow round, something that these missionaries need. And, and in many ways, you have to think, before they can preach, many of them need to go to language school. 
and that costs money. Uh, before they can assemble, they need a building, that costs money. Before they can have outreach, they need tracks, that costs money. Before they can disciple people, they need Bibles. Some of them, some of them are translating the Bible for the first time in that language. That costs a lot of money. Before they can expand their ministry radius, they need vehicles. That costs a lot of money. And, and it's a common occurrence where a missionary, his ministry has to be halted for a time because of, of a financial need. It's also a common occurrence for a missionary to have to come home from the field on furlough because they have to raise more support because churches back here have stopped giving. Now, maybe that's because the church has come under hard times. I'm not trying to judge those churches, but it's just, it's such a practical truth. But giving to missions, why do we give to missions? Just simply, it helps people in need. It brings great help to people in need. It helps the people who were willing to give up the comforts of home and go and minister to people that we could not minister to. It helps people who are willing to go where we couldn't go to give up the nearest, nearness of family. The people who rarely get to spend money on a want. Many times those people live need to need. And we are able to give to, to help them. It is a great benefit in and of itself knowing that we can bring great help to people by simply giving. By simply giving. Number two, it brings great glory to God. So it brings great help to people. It brings great glory to God. Look in verse 12, the second part. But is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Where do these thanksgiving come from? Well, while, while's by the experiment or the test of this ministration, you're giving. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, what do they do? They glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. How do you profess your subjection unto the gospel of Christ? Well, your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. Giving to missions not only gives missionaries money to serve the Lord, more importantly, it gives them reason to praise the Lord. We don't give to missions to bring glory to ourselves. We shouldn't do anything in the ministry to bring glory to ourselves. God, God help us if we ever start giving to missions like we're Oprah. And just for, for everybody to see. Do you remember back in the day when Velcro wallets were a big thing? And the ushers would come down and you knew who was giving. <laughs> we don't do that. We don't do that. Don't give like Oprah. Give like a ninja. The Bible says that your right hand shouldn't know what your left hand is doing when, when you give them above and beyond. I'll put it this way. Some people give while holding a big magnifying glass right in front of them. Just to bring all the attention to themselves. When we give, hold a mirror. Hold a mirror that reflects people straight back to the Lord. When you, when you give, remember, we're just the delivery boy. That is it. God is the giver. What could we ever give in anything to anybody that God hasn't first given to us. If you read that last chapter of 1 Chronicles, so 1 Chronicles 29, when uh, David basically comes out, and I mean, he has amassed brass without weight, silver uh, ends up being like rocks um, under Solomon. I mean, so much wealth came in, and, and David says, who am I and what is my people? He's basically saying, what, what have we done out of all of this treasure? Lord, what have we given to you that you have not first given to us? That's a good truth. I thought of this in my study today. 
Man without God could never be truly gracious in giving. Man left to himself would never be truly gracious in giving. We would always have an ulterior motive. We would always have something just to bring benefit back to ourselves. But man with God has the possibility of graciously giving. Think about this. Just spiritually speaking, without God, I don't think man would have any desire to give. I think it is God that must move the heart of man to cheerfully give. You even look at those heathen kings that we studied about in Ezra and Nehemiah. And, and look at it. The Bible says that God moved his heart to give those things to his people. I think it is God moving on the heart of his people to give above and beyond. That's why when people get away from God, the first thing they stop is their giving. Practically speaking, without God, what would we have to give? What would we have to give without God? We would have nothing. He has given us everything. Church, think of how good God has been to us. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, and I'm going to see some head shaking. I guarantee, now I will. I guarantee you, <laughs> I don't like these things. They tell me I need the, the bifocals. You know that? I'm 29 years old and they tell me I need the, lineless and they cost so much and I say no I'm going to give to missions instead right yeah so that's why I'm constantly doing this but I guarantee you there are some people in here you are giving more to missions now you you are giving more above and beyond the tithe now than you used to give in tithe because that's how good God has been to you can some of you give that testimony I remember writing out that early tithe check and thinking this is how am I going to make it? And now you give above and beyond that because the Lord has been so good to you. You know, it makes no sense that people are able to live better on 90% of their income than 100% of their income. I used to be in banking, and I'm Asian. It does not make sense. It does not make sense numbers-wise. It really doesn't. To, to, to look at and say, I am going to do better on 90% than 100%. And then take those same people who then give above and beyond to missions or to a special offering, whatever it may be. Some of you personally support ministries. Some of you personally support orphanages and, and ministries. You give above and beyond so that God's gospel can go forward. That's not you. That's the Lord working in you and Lord working through you. But it doesn't make sense to take yourself down to 90 and then to still give more above and beyond and yet you're still able to meet and you're not just making ends meet. You're fine. You're fine. You're sufficient. In all things, you're sufficient. But then it makes no sense for those same people to give money above and beyond that many people would just keep for themselves and they don't give it away grudgingly you don't give it away because, oh, well, I have to. You give it away cheerfully. And in fact, you're some of the happiest people. Some of you, the happiest part of your month is writing out that check that you know is going to help other people. Isn't that an incredible thing? When other people would say, you're crazy. You're crazy. You could invest that in stocks. You can invest that in this. And you say, I am investing. I am investing. The only way all of that makes sense is if God is in it. That's it. 
That's the only way it can make sense. And doesn't the Bible say that in verse 10 and 11, that God, the same one who gives you the seed to sow, he'll not only make sure that you have bread that comes back from that seed that you sow, he'll make sure that the seeds you put in the ground are multiplied and that they go further than you will ever think they will go. That's God. That is God in it. That is God using a, a, a small church in Corpus Christi, Texas, to support missionaries all around the world and see souls saved. What an incredible thing that God has allowed us to do. But think about this. So the only way we'll ever be able to give to missions is if God gives through us, right? Look in verse 11. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Okay, so the thanksgiving comes because God has used us, we are giving through what God has given to us. Let me, let me put it this way. God gives to us, we give to them. We have a choice. We can either be a sponge and soak it all up and say, no, I don't have to give it. I gave my tithe and that's it. Or we can be a channel and we can pass it through. But the same thing goes for the glory. Because when you give, people are going to be thankful and people are going to want to give praise, and we can either sponge up all that glory for ourselves, or we can again be a channel and put it right back through to the person to whom it really belongs. So it brings great help to those in need. It brings great glory to God. And three, look, we do not give to missions to bring anything to ourselves. We do it to bring help to others and bring great glory to God. But isn't it the truth? Even though we do not give to bring anything back to ourselves, God always brings it back. Isn't that true? So number three, it brings great blessing to the giver. He always finds a way to outgive you. He always does. We don't give to missions to be paid back. I remember thinking when I was a kid, I heard, I heard a, a pastor come up in a missions conference and say, whatever you give to missions, the Lord will give you back fourfold. So I thought at home, I've got $20, which means $80 that I'll get back. <laughs> no, I didn't. So I gave it, never got the $80, right? Because, but listen, we, we don't give we, I, I gave for the wrong reason. I gave for the wrong reason. I was 22. Give me a break. So, <laughs> so you give not so that you can get paid back. We don't give to missions and expect the missionary or people of that church to return the favor someday. God never promises when you give to missions, you will be a millionaire. God never promises that. There are some of these televangelists that say, if you give to this and you give to that, God will bring financial blessings to you. What a joke. It's called, a, it's called being a false prophet. But God does, so God doesn't promise that, but God does promise this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That is a promise. That is a promise that you can mark down. He does say this, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. Plenty of what? Money? No, grace. Which spends a lot better. Keeps a lot better. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. In this passage, Paul tells the Corinthians, you know what you're going to get back? You know what you're going to get back when you give to this? Those people are going to pray for you. 
Look in verse 13. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Think about Philippians chapter 4. When the church at Philippi gave back, or, or gave to Paul. And he says, you have ministered once and again unto my need. You've been trying to do this now, but you lacked opportunity. I haven't asked for this because I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And Paul writes back and says, you have given to me again through Epaphroditus. And listen, I can't pay you back. I can't. But every piece of spiritual fruit that is added to my account is added to your account. There's a dividend. And then he says this, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. You could go on and on and on of all of the benefits and all of the ways that God outgives us when we give to him. I believe that God's hand of blessing has been on this church because you have a giving heart. Don't ever lose that heart. I believe when we lose that giving heart, if we ever lose that giving heart, we will lose God's blessings. I truly believe that. And to be honest, what stock could we ever invest in? What dividend check could ever match the return that comes from giving to missions? There was a, there was a pastor's conference one time, and uh, all the pastors were sitting up there, and they were going through, and they, they were going one at a time. They said, sir, how many, how many souls did your ministry see saved this last week? And 10 and 2 and all these, and they got to one. And he said, I don't know. I haven't heard back from my missionaries yet. And that's so true. You realize every piece of spiritual fruit that they bring forward, if you are supporting, you have a part in that. What an incredible thing. You know, these are the commitment cards from last, from last year. And I see on here some that are obviously from children. $1 annually. $15 annually. $3 monthly. And you can just tell by their, by their little, um, you know, by their uh, little handwriting. Do you know that if there is one child who gave 25 cents to the missions fund here, they have just as much a part in those fruitful reapings that anybody else does? What an incredible blessing that God gives to us. No amount of money in the world can compare to that. What price tag could you put on the prayers that go up to God on your behalf because you have chosen to trust God and give to missions? You will never outgive God. And I know that this is true because I've seen it in my life. I know that this is true because even if I could somehow give every talent that I have, even if I could somehow give every second of every day of my life, even if I could give all the money in the world, if it was at my disposal and I gave it all to the Lord, I know that God would still outgive me. Why? Because it could never come near to what God gave when he gave his precious son to die on the cross. You cannot give out, outgive God because God already gave everything. Look in verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. So, Lord, I don't, I don't give to missions. We don't give to missions so that we can bring glory to ourselves. Heavenly Father, maybe, just maybe, if you allow me to give this above and beyond the tithe, I don't know where it is in the budget. It doesn't make sense in the budget. 
especially right now during COVID-19. My hours have been cut. They're telling me I might be furloughed. Lord, I don't know where it's going to come from, but if you allow me to give this amount, maybe, just maybe, through your grace, it will bring help to others in need. Maybe, just maybe, it will bring glory to you. Lord, I won't take any of the glory for myself. Look at this. How could I take glory for this budget? There's no way. There's no way it would work unless you were in it. Lord, you would get all the glory. Maybe, just maybe, you will bring things back as you always do. But Lord, you've already given so much. Maybe, just maybe, it could be a little way that I can show thanks to all that you have done for me. That's why we give to missions. To say thank you to the Lord for all that he has given to us. If God only would have given his son, would that not have been enough reason for us to want to give back to him? And yet every day he does more. Every day he does more. We live in the greatest country in this world. We have problems, but this is the greatest country in the world. We have freedom. We do. We have freedom to sit here and worship. They are trying to take some away, but we have freedom to sit here and worship. And by the way, I think everything that we're going through right now is God's judgment on this country to wake us up. And we are a part of that church. We are a part of that. The answer is not the White House or the Supreme Court or the voting house, whatever. It's the church house. It's the church house. And if the church house is going to get right, our house has to get right. But he's given us freedom to worship. He's given us comfort. We're sitting in an air-conditioned building with cushy seats. Do you remember sitting on those old wooden pews? And you would be in the crack sometimes, and if you moved just right, it would pinch you. Right? You'd be like, <gasps> Amen! <laughs> he's given you food. He's given you safety. The other day, during the, during the hurricane, while there was a hurricane going on, we had a police officer knock on my door at 1230. Don't ask why. It's a long story, okay? Um, but she came, and it, it's about one of the cars that we sold, and it didn't transfer properly, so it was still coming back to our name, and they had found it. So, but I'm thinking, there's, there's a young lady police officer at 1230 at night in the middle of a hurricane, doing her job so that I can sleep in safety. He's given us health. Brother Wes and Miss Karen Atwood both went into the hospital today and got a follow-up appointment for COVID-19. They are both negative. He's given us health. He answers our prayers. He's given us friendship. He's given us family. He's given us a church family. He's given us opportunity to serve him. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. All we give is just a token of thanks for all that he has given to us. And that really is the greatest lesson about giving that a Christian could ever earn, and I'm done. This is the greatest lesson that you could ever learn about giving, whether it is tithe or giving above and beyond the tithe to missions. Whatever we give, we really aren't giving. Let me explain. Are we giving 10% or is God giving us the opportunity to keep 90% of what is already his? Are we giving to missions 
Or is God giving us an opportunity to be a part and to have a part in a ministry that is much bigger than ourselves? Are we giving to missions or is God giving us an opportunity to bring help to somebody in need, to bring glory to him? Maybe he pays back. Let's be honest, he does. He pays back. Or is he just giving us an opportunity to say thank you for his unspeakable gift? When you go home and somebody asks, what did you learn? What did you learn at church tonight? What is the answer to why do we give to missions? You could honestly and simply say we give because he gives to us. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.